Well, I want you to turn in your Bibles to Matthew chapter 13. Turn in your Bibles to Matthew chapter 13. And we'll come, uh, come to that in just a second and read through. Um, I'm probably going to start, um, you don't have to put on the screens yet, but I'm probably going to start about halfway through the chapter. You know, uh, one of the things that I figured out when I got married is that there are several reasons why I'm here on earth as a husband. And a lot of them are for, you know, emotional support. That's there. That's, that's one of them, you know, emotional support. Go be with my wife, you know, through things. Um, you know, to, to help, um, in, you know, several areas around the house carry weight, you know. I mean, I, she, she's, I don't think my wife's ever cut the grass. I cut the grass, you know. But there's things that she does that I don't do, right? And we, we help each other out. There's, there's areas like that. But there's also this thing that happens to us husbands that, um, you know, it's just part of, part of being a man. When there's something heavy, you pick it up. And, and they, you know, it's gotten where now, I mean, we've been married for a while. We don't really talk about it much. I mean, she'll just, you know, you know say, hey, hey, and, and I know what that means. This is too heavy. Or she'll just leave something and not even really, not even really need to communicate it. Just, hey, this is heavy. I need you to pick. And so something will be sitting there and she says nothing to me and I, I say nothing to her. I just know that needs to be moved. And the reason she didn't move it is because it's, it's too heavy. And it's my job. It's my job to move it. And I, you know what? I'm cool with that. I never complain about it. You know why? Because I'm a man. I'm a man. I'm a man's man. And I want, I want to, you know, I, that makes me feel good. She needs me to lift that up. She needs me to pick that up. I'm going to pick this thing up, whatever it is, you know, and I'm going to move that. Even if I, and then, and then what's great about that is now if there's something, if I see, I'm like, hey, I can get that. Like, I know she could get it, but I want to get it, you know. There are heavy things in our life that we continue to carry that God's meant to carry. I want to I keep your head in that zone for a second, and then I want to read the second half of Matthew 18, or excuse me, Matthew 13. But before we get to the 18th verse of Matthew 13, I want to set it up for you so we don't have to read all of it. This is Jesus. He's telling a parable as he did hundreds of times, and he said, hey, there's, a, there's a, a farmer who sows seed, and he talks about four different types of ground. He talks about four different types of ground, and he says there's some um, that when a farmer sows a seed, it goes to the wayside. In other words, it doesn't get on good ground. There, there's, it's, it's bad ground. It goes to the wayside. doesn't take root. And then there's stony ground, so ground that doesn't have much um, earth. And so the seed goes there. It, it starts to take root, but it doesn't last. And then it talks about thorny ground. Everyone say thorny ground. He talks about the thorny ground. He says the thorny ground, this is interesting, the thorny ground, the seed goes down. It's good ground, so the, the, the plant comes up. But the thorns or the weeds, you could say, anybody have any weeds in their yard? If you have grass, what do you want to get rid of? The weeds. And he says the weeds choke out the plant. And then the fourth type of seed is good ground where it grows and it flourishes and the seed that's planted. Now, when he's talking about the farmer, he's talking about God, the father, and he's talking about seed, he's talking about the word. All right. So as we're going through this story and we're thinking about today, I want you to 
pull back the last couple weeks of messages, which if you're new online or new in the room today, you can go back and listen to our podcast and YouTube and catch up on that after the service, but you'll still get what we're talking about today. I've been talking about dealing with the devil and the lies of the devil. Specifically last week, I dealt with several of the lies of the devil. But today, another action of the devil is that he wants to steal this from your life. He wants to steal the word. Faith comes by hearing the word, Romans 10, 17. When you hear the word today, faith will grow inside of you. When you hear us online today, faith will grow inside of you. That's how you get saved. Before you get saved, you have someone preach to you. That's what the Bible tells us. When, when, why, why does that work? Because someone preaches Jesus, you hear about Jesus, it, faith builds on that, and you say, okay, I believe in Jesus. That belief is faith, because you don't see Jesus. You're trusting in what's not there, that's faith. So the devil knows that once you get saved, once you decide to serve God, that there's, there's two things basically that he can do. He can A, completely knock you off of the Christian path, just completely wipe you out, which is, which is if you have a good church, you have a good family, you know, kind of difficult to do. But the other thing that I see the devil do today, which in most of the church cultures he seems to be fairly effective with, is he'll steal the word to the point that, okay, yeah, you believe in God, but not really. That as soon as you hear a good message or you study the word for yourself and something starts to light up, that he'll come in and choke it out or keep you so shallow that it never takes root. And he has this tactic that, that, that is, is, is actually pretty easily identifiable if you learn to notice what to look for. If you, if you know what to look for, it, it makes a difference. You know, now that I've remodeled a few houses, I'm, I'm by no means an expert, but I see things differently. Several years ago, you know, 10 years ago when, I don't know, when did I buy the first house? I don't remember. However, let's say it was 11, 12 years ago. When I bought my first house, I, I didn't know much about remodeling. I didn't know what would sell a house and what wouldn't. I didn't know what, where to spend the money and where not to spend it. Does that make sense? Because when you remodel a house, it's all about your, 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 your gains, in other words, how much do I spend and still make sure that I'm going to re return, you know, a decent amount when I sell the house. And so I bought the house, the first house, knowing that I would, I would live in it and flip it, live in and flip. Um, I didn't know that I would end up getting married and my wife would come and we would have kids. So we ended up being in it a long time. And most of the remodeling happened after we got married um, and, and then while we had kids and the majority of it, actually, I wouldn't say the majority, but the like the bells and whistles happened right before we sold it. The reason it did is because we hired a real estate agent who was really good. I mean, she was good, good, like best in the business, best in Florence. Good. Her name is Natasha. She is. I mean, she's really good. And there's sev several great real estate agents in, in Florence, several that attend the church, but she's good. And she's so good that when she came to our house, I, it amazed me. It blew my mind. I mean, she would just walk through the house and she's just talking to us, you know, and she's, okay, let's go, let's see the kitchen. And she'd walk in the kitchen and go, mm-mm, that can't be there. I'm like, oh, wow, okay, well, what do we do? Do this, do this, do that, okay, all right. And then this needs to be that color, and then this, you need to take that, I mean, just boom, boom, boom. I mean, she saw it. 
We've been living there for whatever, six or seven years. It was no problem to us, no issue to us. We liked it the way we had it. But she knows how to sell a house. She walked into our master bedroom. I, this, is, this was the craziest thing to me. We had it all set up. We had the nightstands and the bed, and we had it all, you know. I mean, the, the real estate agent's coming over. We, had, we cleaned up everything. It looked good, you know. I mean, we're pretty proud of the house, and she's just, she's not ripping apart. She was nice, but she was just giving us all these things. I mean, I'm fast as I can type on my phone, it's stuff to do. And I'm thinking, this is all stuff, you know. I mean, this is a lot to do to sell this house. And she steps into the master bedroom, and as soon as she steps, she goes, mm-mm, turn the bed. I mean, just like that. She had, I mean, I don't even think both feet were on the carpet. And she knew, turn the bed. It's what she does. She knows if there, I don't know if there's a real estate handbook or not, but to correlate it with the Bible, if there was a real estate handbook to selling houses, she knows it in and out. She, I mean, I would venture to say she's so good, she probably helped write it. That good. And when she stepped in that master bedroom, she knew that to make the room look, and I didn't believe her. I'm going to tell you the truth. Did not believe her. I thought that's going to look dumb. I grudgingly wrote it down in my phone. Move bed to the left. When we moved the bed and got the lamp, she said, get these certain types of lamps. They need to be this tall. Move the bed, put it on the side, got the drapes, did the lamps. It was amazing. The room looked totally different. When you walked in, it felt different. It looked different. It, it, I don't even know how it made it smell different. It's like, just this is awesome. Because she, she knew what to look for. If you can study God's word to the point that you know what to look for, you'll see things coming. And then the second half of this is we know that the Holy Spirit is our helper. So what you don't know to look for in the natural, he helps you by the Spirit. Can you say amen? amen? Jesus said, I have to leave so that I will send you parakletos, the helper, the Holy Spirit who is a helper. Everybody say, the Holy Spirit helps me. Spirit. He's a helper. He helps you. Listen to me. When I tell you that he helps you, it's like me helping my wife. It's a helper. The Holy Spirit was not sent to do stuff for you. The Holy Spirit, there is, there's nothing in the Bible that says the Holy Spirit will rebuke the devil for you. It says you do not give place to the devil. You pray. Now the Bible tells us the Holy Spirit will help us in our weakness. He'll help us. He'll intercede for you. Uh, um, um, part of having, being full of the Holy Spirit is, is the baptism in the Holy Spirit, speaking in other tongues or praying in other tongues. The Bible gives us several scriptures that tell us that when we do that, our spirit is praying, that our understanding is not, right? And that, that when we do, that our, our, the, that our spirit, that the Holy Spirit is interceding for us. If you want those chapter references and verse references, I can give them to you afterwards. I'm coming right out of my spirit with this just from, from, from my heart. Listen to me, those, those things, that's not the Holy Spirit. You know, I heard someone say one time, well, since I got filled with the Holy Spirit, I don't need to do much praying now that he's praying for me. Eh, wrong. No, you still have to pray. You have to pray. And so I want you to look, as you think about these things we're talking about, Look at verse 18 as Jesus explains the parable of the sower. So I told you the, the, the farmer throws the seed. There's four types of ground. He tells the story. He explains to them why he tells parables. Then he says this. 
Therefore, hear the parable of the sower. When anyone hears the word of the kingdom and does not understand it, then the wicked one comes and snatches away. Who comes? The wicked one. Who's the wicked one? Everybody say the devil. The wicked one comes and snatches away what was sown in his heart. This is he who received seed by the wayside. The, 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 when Jesus told the story, he talked about how birds come and they eat the seed. They come and snatch it up. So notice here that as Jesus is explaining it, he says that the word is literally sown in their heart. So it's not that the word isn't sown. It's that, it, it's that there's no understanding and so the devil comes and snatches it away. Now look at this. In verse 20, but he who received the seed on stony places, this is ground number two, he who receives stone, uh, the seed on stony places, this is he who hears the word and immediately receives it with joy. Verse 21, yet he has no roots in him, but endures only for a while, for when tribulation or persecution, wow, when tribulation or persecution arises, because of the word, immediately he stumbles. Now, uh, um, because of, and notice that's a lowercase word, because of the tribulation or persecution, he stumbles. Stony ground, no depth, no roots. You know, palm tree, I mean, uh, yeah, palm trees don't have much roots. Uh, pine trees, very shallow roots. When you compare it to an oak tree or something like that, whenever a hurricane comes through, I don't know the percentage, maybe I ought to look it up, but I would venture to say a very high, like 90 something percent or more, I don't know, I'm spitballing, but you can just drive around and see for yourself how many trees are falling and what type of tree they are. Pine tree, pine tree, pine tree, pine tree, all the pine trees fall, all the pine tree branches fall. Bradford pears, terrible, very, very terrible root system and very terrible branch structure, terrible. What, 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 what is he saying to us? If you have no depth, if you don't know this book so that you can quickly identify, wait, that's not right. No, nope, I know God's word. That's, I, I know that. I know what the devil's doing right here. He's trying to mess me up. So you've got to be able to walk in just like that. My real estate agent walked into and, and her feet hit the carpet. She looked and she saw that's not right. And if you want to sell this house, you've got to turn the bed. You've got to be able to walk through your life and the Holy Spirit help you see that's not right. That's the devil, right? That's not right. That's not right. And so, listen, it gets even better. Verse 22. Now, he who receives seed among the thorns, third ground, is he who hears the word and the cares of this world and the deceitfulness of riches choke out the word and he becomes unfruitful. The Bible tells us in several places that God expects us to bear fruit. He expects us to be fruitful. And the devil will use the cares of this world to steal the word right out of you. We're going to come back to that one because that's where I want to focus today. To finish this out, let's read the good ground. Verse 23. But he who received seed on the good ground is he who hears the word, understands it, who indeed bears fruit and produces some a hundredfold, some 60 and some 30. What is it saying? That if you receive it and produce fruit with 
what you have been given, what you've received, the word that you have, you produce fruit with it, that, that there will be a return. Some 100-fold, some 60, some 30. There will be a return. Go back to verse 22 for me, and let's, let's sit there for a second. Now listen, you have to recognize and realize that the devil will use whatever to belittle you. And if he, can't, if he can't stop you from being a Christian, like I said, he'll stop you from knowing how to disseminate a care from the world and something God's already defeated. He'll, he'll have you so focused on gossip that you make the gossip a reality. You'll, you'll take something that somebody's told you that's not even, that, like, it's a hearsay. It's just not even true. It's not a reality yet. It's, it's not, it, it hasn't even happened. He'll have you so worried about something that hasn't occurred yet. You know what worry is, right? Worry is a down payment on a problem you may never have. A problem you may never have, and the devil have you so focused on it, so consumed by it, so enthralled by it, that, that by the time you, you, you get to the thing that you're so worried about, you realize, oh. But, but, but what happened? The, the time in between that, if you are reading your word, if you are studying, you are coming to church, you are praying, the devil is using the cares around you to steal out what's inside you. He'll take what's inside you and steal it. What's inside you? The word. When the word gets planted in you, you have to allow, you have to desire, you have to hope for it to produce fruit in your life. How do you do that? Well, you do what you do with a plant. You water it. You take care of it. And you protect it. You protect it. You protect the word. If you have a, a, a plant, uh, we, my kids, you know, they go to preschool and stuff, and, you know, about every other week, they bring home a plant, some, some plant, some type of plant, something, some living something in a pot with soil, and they have no idea how to water it, care for it, what type of light it's supposed to have. That's now our job. Well, we went on vacation. We had no plan for one of Madison's favorite plants. No plan. Came back from vacation, dead plant. We quickly and quietly discarded of the plant before there were any crying, upset children. Why did the plant die? We didn't take care of it. We, we didn't take care of it. And so when you, when you get a message, a word, a thought, and when I'm talking about a word, when, you, when you're talking about seed that he's talking about, let me, let me give you some practical examples of that. Whenever you're in a sermon, in a, in a situation like in a service like this and you're hearing a sermon and you have that moment where the light bulb comes on that's what us preachers would call revelation and when you get revelation that's something you realize you didn't have before it's an understanding of God's word it's an aha moment and when you get that you want to tuck that deep down inside that's why you want to take notes because it'll help you uh, regurgitate. It'll help you when you get back home because I'm going to say other stuff and then people will talk to you afterwards. And you want to be able to look back and say, oh, what was it the pastor said? Oh, yeah, that's right. Because you know you've got a situation you're going to deal with on Tuesday or on Thursday where you need that word. And so you've got to, tuck, you've got to protect it. 
then what the devil wants to try to do is, 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 is ground two. He's going to uh, um, bring persecution and all those kinds of things. Or notice ground three. It's not something like, it's the cares of this world. The deceitfulness of riches. He'll have you so caring about everything that's going on. At the beginning, I told you what? I told you that we carry things that are heavy. That are heavy. In Isaiah chapter 61, it says this. This is a a prophecy from Isaiah. He says, to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord, the day of vengeance of our God, to comfort all who mourn, to console those who mourn. What's he talking about? He's saying that there's those who are mourning, and he's explaining what God does for those who are mourning, for those who are going through stuff, for those of us who have cares, who have stuff, who have troubles, who have had the devil uh, uh, attack them. I'm not trying to see, one of the things about, you know, some faith preachers is they never even talk about the fact that you you actually do go through stuff. The thing that you're going to get from me is that I believe God has set us up with a system that if I believe his word wholeheartedly, that it's not that I don't go through stuff, but that I will be able to skip over it so fast and bounce through it so fast and get delivered from it so fast, it'll be as if it didn't ever happen. It's not that I don't go through stuff. It's that my deliverance was provided before the thing ever showed up. And before I ever had a problem, before the devil ever showed up and and gave me some issue or gave me some slap back or ran his big mouth, I already had an answer. I already had it in his word. He already gave it to me. Notice what it says here. He gave them beauty for ashes. Then he gave them, so instead of ashes, beauty, he gave them the oil of joy for mourning. So instead of mourning and sad and crying, he gave them joy. Not just joy, but an oil of it. Then he says this. He gave them the garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness. There's an actual spirit of heaviness. Like it's a, it's a real th- a spirit of heaviness. Did you know that some one out of every four Americans are on depression medication? It is now, according to to some statistics and some sources, the greatest or the most prescribed medication is antidepressant. More than heart disease, more than anything else. Antidepressants. 25% or more, and that's American. So that, that, that would, I don't know what the statistics are of the church. I don't know if anybody's done that. But of Americans, 25%. If you know four people, one of them is probably on an anti-depression medication. Think about that. The devil will, will have America situated in a place where we're so depressed, so infatuated with problems, that we've forgotten how good God is. And I, I just, I, I, that's not right to me. That's not right. It's not right to me that we should. I mean, if you're in here today and you've been prescribed, don't don't leave here. I'm not a doctor. I'm not telling you to drop your meds. What I'm saying is believe God that if you are on them, you're getting off of them. That you're getting off of them. I don't have to live on that. I don't have to walk around and be depressed. I don't have to walk around and worry about what God, how God's going to do something or how God, or, 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 I mean, I mean, the thing that makes me so sick is most of the time that people, when you talk to them about their worries and what they're concerned about and what they're so, you know, uh, what are you so concerned about? It's stuff that's never happened. 
Like once something happens, then, okay, there's a moment of, okay, what do I do? Then I go to the word and I figure out how to overcome it. And God helps me and the Holy Spirit comes in and we get through it. But I'm not going to waste my time concerned about something that's never happened. And here's what, 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 that sounds easy for me to say if I'm not, you know, battling depression. But what I want you to realize and what I think the key to overcoming it is, is recognizing it's from the devil. That if his goal is to steer the the word from you, that one of the strongest ways they can do that, one of the four ways, or excuse me, three, because the fourth ground was good ground, one of the three ways that, that Jesus himself described the wicked one comes to steal, one of them is the cares of this world. Of course he's gonna try it. Of course he's gonna come. Of course he's gonna want, I mean, that's what he's, Man, I'm telling you, the first thing I would do today is I would leave this place and say, that is of the devil. That depression, that anxiety, whatever it is that's been attacking me, I rebuke it in the name of Jesus. I'm not going to be depressed. I'm not going to be anxious about stuff that's not, that hasn't happened yet. I'm not going to live in anxiety and fear. What am I afraid of? The Bible says that he has not given me a spirit of fear, but of power, love, and a sound mind. I have a spirit of power. I have a spirit of love. I have a spirit of self-discipline. I do not have to succumb to the pressures of the devil. I do not have to allow the cares of this world to rip out for me what God's put inside of me. I'm a child of God. I'm loved by God. I'm blessed by God. He's for me and not against me. He goes around me. He's surrounded. He put his angels around me. He protects me where I go. Well, I just, I just don't have that kind of, you know, I just don't get all amped up like that. that, that is, if y'all hang out with me, like, I'm not like this all the time. <laughs> but when I talk about God's word, and when I, I mean, now, if you get me going, I, I remember one time I was on the phone with a family, and, and uh, I was like, I was tired. It was Sunday night. I was, I was ready to go to bed. And they called me and something happened. And, and the same thing happened. I was tired. I was just kind of, yeah, mm-hmm. But I got to talking about God's word. I began speaking about God's word. I began saying, listen to me, I know what God's word says. And I started just like that, just really calm. No, I mean, no, no, no real emotion to it, no enthusiasm behind it. And I began just confessing scripture after scripture after scripture. Because I knew what the word said and they needed to hear it. They needed, they needed their pastor to tell them and encourage them and, 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 uh, and all those things. And as I began to do it, by the end of it, I sounded like I was preaching through the phone. And I'm bouncing around my house. I'm excited. And I'm telling you what, God's going to go right in the hospital room and touch your little nephew. I mean, I was. I was like prophesying to him. How did I go from being tired? Let me, let me show you. Let me show you. Two things happen. Two things happen. When you, when you begin confessing God's word, it's a form of praise. And one of the two ways that we can combat, I, I could probably give you more. I don't even know if I'm going to get to the second one. But one of the two ways that we combat this cares of the world thing is what the Bible told us in Isaiah. That he gives us the spirit of, or excuse me, the garment of praise. He gives us the garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness. So instead of heaviness, instead of putting on heaviness, that if I put on the garment of praise, it's instead of the heaviness. When I put on praise, heaviness has to go. And I'm going to tell you why. In Psalm 22, 3, it says that God inhabits the praises of his people. 
that when, when I begin to praise God, his presence comes in. If it, one minister says it's the cheapest way to get into the presence of God. You just begin to praise him. When I praise God, his spirit comes. When I praise God, his presence comes. He inhabits the praises of his people. I just try it. Just try it. Why do you think we have you praise before, before we get to the word? And at the first part of our service, it's not so you feel good. It's not to wake you up in the morning. It's not because we like music. It's because God inhabits the praises of his people. And when I praise him, his spirit comes in and his presence comes in and it, it changes the atmosphere. I want, I, sometimes you need an atmosphere shift. Your house is stinking a little bit and you got to get out some air freshener and get rid of the stink. And your praise will get rid of the stink. It smells good. The Bible says it's a fragrance unto the Lord. It's a smell good fragrance. When you get that praise comes out and it starts falling out, God, I just thank you. I know I'm going through such and such, but I just thank you that you've got a way. And if you made a way where there is no way for the Israelites, you'll do it for me. And if you said that you take care of the lilies and the, and the flowers and the animals, then I know you'll take care of me. God, I thank you. Just, just thank him. That's what praise is. Thank him. Thank him. Thank him. Thank him. Thank him. Well, I don't have anything to thank him for. Yes, you do. Do you have hands? Do you have a feet? Do you have breath in your lungs? Do you have a feet? I just said, do you have a feet? Do you have two feet or one foot? It doesn't matter. Thank him for whatever you have. Thank him. Thank him. Get some praise coming out of your mouth. When you do, we did a celebration series. We actually started a new one today, but we just finished up. Celebration is our kids ministry. We just finished up one on praise and worship. And I'm so glad they were learning about praise and worship in there. All of our kids learned about praise and worship. And one of the uh, uh, weeks, the focus was when the devil attacks, praise stops him in his tracks. It'll literally stop him because you have to recognize when the devil's attacking. And one of the clearest ways you can combat it is with praise. Let me tell you something else that happens. Psalm 1611 says in his presence, there is fullness of joy. How can you be full of joy and full of depression at the same time? The Bible says the joy of the Lord is my strength. What does the devil want to do? If he can steal your joy, then he's got a weak Christian. One with no strength. The joy of the Lord is my strength. It's not happiness. It's not giggles and smiles. And all. Sometimes it's a joy that's on the inside. That on the outside, I want to cry. But on the inside, I know. I know, man, God is for me. And I know he got me out of this situation before and he got me out of that one before. So I'm gonna praise him for those one more time because I know he's gonna get me out of this one. When David was, he was taking, the Ark of the Covenant was coming back to Israel and he went out before it to praise God for it. And he was praising God because he knew a miracle was coming. He knew victory was coming. I'll say it that way. He knew victory was coming. And so he went out before the Ark of the Covenant to praise God for the victory that God had provided. Before it ever happened. And you know what it says? Everybody was with them. They were all praising. They were all excited. Woo, yeah, Ark of the Covenant. Yeah, woo, King David. Except for one person, his wife. And she sat up in the tower and looked down and made fun of him. Then when he came up to talk to her, mocked him. Oh, aren't you just so dignified today? See, this is what the devil will do. If he can't stop you from praising, he'll put people in your life to try to stop you from praising. Make fun of you. 
Oh, look, who do you think you're praising for? Don't you see what your life is in? Don't you see what kind of mess is? What are you doing? What are you, 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 you dancing like, what are you, are you shouting? Who are you? Who are you? Listen, I will never let someone else take a praise out of my mouth. You can forget it. You can forget it. You know why? Because the Bible says that Michael, that's her name, that Michael, after that day, was barren. Her womb was shut up. There's repercussions to not praising God. The Bible says that if you don't praise him, the rocks will cry out. He was meant to receive praise. He created you and I to praise him. I'm not going to let a rock cry out for me. I'm not going to let something else. No, when the devil comes and I realize he's coming and the cares of this world are starting to sweep in, it's starting to, I just start, I begin, you know what? I need to praise a little bit more. I'm going to start my day with extra praise. I'm going to praise some extra on my lunch break. I'm going to find some extra, uh, some shout music, some two beat, whatever I got to do. I need some extra praise in my life. If the, if the attacks go up, the praise has got to go higher. There's a method that God had to coming to him by praise. Look in Psalms 100. He says, make a joyful shout unto the Lord. All you lands, every land, everybody, every, not, it doesn't matter whether you're American, African, uh, um, uh, uh, Hispanic, whether you're, you're uh, European, Can- Canadian, Mexican, all you lands, make a joyful shout unto the Lord. Serve the Lord with gladness. Put a smile on your face and serve him. Come before his presence with singing. Please don't be silent when we sing. I know you might be like me. You don't have a good voice. My voice is pitiful. I'm embarrassed whenever I hear it. Every once in a while, I'll accidentally leave my mic on the live stream. I apologize, y'all. I'm sorry. It's terrible. I know. If y'all hear me singing, just, just turn it down and just forgive your pastor. But, but it says to come with him with singing. I'm not going to be silent. Part of my praise needs to be a song. It's not the only way. You don't only praise God Sunday morning and Wednesday night during the praise and worship section of the service. You, you, can, you can just wake up in the morning laying in your bed and say, I thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus, for another day. Thank you that today is going to be better than yesterday. I thank you, Lord, that your word goes before me today. And I thank you that I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. And I thank you that when my feet hit the floor today, I'm going to do more than I did yesterday. Right there in your bed before you ever start your day. Don't go to Facebook first. Let some praise come out of your mouth. Know that the Lord, he is God, and it is he who has made us and not we ourselves. We are his people and the sheep of his pasture. Then it says this. This is so key. Enter into his gates with thanksgiving and into his courts with praise. Be thankful to him and bless his name. There's a process to coming into the presence of the Lord. You enter with thanksgiving and you come with praise. I, I've made, I made a point when I pray to God, I sandwich it. Just like a sandwich. What's a good sandwich have? It has two pieces of bread. It has two pieces of bread. I start my sandwich with praise and thanksgiving. Then I put the meat and all the stuff in there. It says to bring your stuff before the Lord. Ask, make requests, supplications, all of that. Then I top it with praise. So I start and I end with praise. Come with thanksgiving. Why am I telling you all this today? Because I don't want to see the devil force you, have you, so concerned with the cares of this world and you have no method to counteract it. You have a method. 
You have, listen, when he says that in his presence, or excuse me, in his praises, you'll find his presence. Let me ask you this. Let me ask you this. If you could have his presence, doesn't the Bible say where the spirit of the Lord is, there's freedom? There's liberty? If you need some freedom and liberty in your place, if you need some freedom and liberty in your house, if you need something to change in your circumstances, if you need your work environment to smell a little better, if it stank up in your workplace, just add a little praise in there. Just add some praise. Go in praising. God, I thank you for this job. I thank you for the people here. I thank you that I have an opportunity to witness to them, to share with them, to talk to them. I thank you that I blessed them today. I know that they're annoying, and I know that I don't like them very much. But you said that you love them, and you said that you sent your son for them. So in the name of Jesus, I thank you that this is going to be a good day. I'm going to praise you right now for the opportunity to go in such and such workplace. Try it. Try it this week for five days and see if you don't feel better at work. See if it doesn't change. You're going to come in. The Bible says that there were people, when they, when they spent time with God, they looked different. When they got in the presence of God, there was an aura about them. There was a glow about them. And you're going to go into work glowing. They'll be like, oh, did you try some new makeup, girl? Be like, no, I got the Holy Ghost, woman. I'm glad y'all thought that was funny. <laughs> It's true. It's true. The second thing we have to do that, that, that goes right along with this is prayer. And I felt led. I knew that I would get all excited about praise because that's a big part of my life. But the Lord really put it on my heart yesterday to make sure that I, that I cover this. And it's interesting because what he put on my heart is what I talked about Wednesday. So if you were here Wednesday, you're going to get a double dose. In Luke chapter 18, he said this. Another parable. And he spoke a parable unto them to this end, that men should always pray. Everybody say this. Say always pray. Always pray pray and do not faint, saying there. And and so he says this parable. There was a judge. There was a judge in a city who, who did not fear God. He neither regarded man. And there was a widow in that same city. And she came unto him saying, avenge me of mine adversary. So in other words, she had an adversary. I'm going to read it off the screen because I think I copied in a different. Yeah. Um, No, go back to verse uh, two or three. 18, uh, two or three. Can you go back? I'm going to read it off the screen. There you go. So there was in this certain city a judge who did not fear God nor regard, regard man. So he didn't love the people. He didn't love God. Verse three. Now, in that same city was a widow, and she came to him saying, get justice for me from my adversary. So she had an issue. She had a problem. She's going to the judge. Help me fix the problem. Verse 4. And he would not for a while. In other words, he would not help her for a while. But afterward, he said within himself, though I do not fear God, and though I do not regard man. Verse 5. Watch this. Because this widow troubles me, because she's so persistent. Because she's so, because she won't relinquish her efforts to get me to take care of this problem for her, I'm going to. Lest by her continual coming, she wearies me. Verse 6. Then the Lord said, Here, 
what the unjust judge said. So this is Jesus explaining out of them, look what the unjust judge said, verse seven. And shall God not avenge his own elect who cry out day and night to him, though he bears long with them? Do you not think that God doesn't hear you? See, what happens is, is in Galatians it tells us, don't grow weary in doing good. And I want to tell you this morning to couple these things together. Don't stop praying. When you have cares of the world, God knows. He knows. He, the Bible says that he knows what you have need of before you even have the need. But what do we have to do? We have to pray about it. I, I've confessed this uh, I don't know how many times now I'm going to say it again this morning. There was a time in my life where I, was, I thought I was living by faith to the point that I, I, I felt like I didn't have to ask God for things. I don't know how to explain it, but I felt like I didn't have to. Like I just knew God would take care of it. I knew God would take care of it. But that's actually not biblical. The, the biblical way is to walk by faith and pray and ask. Then once I've asked God, I believe I received it at that moment. That's Mark 11. At the moment that I pray, I believe I receive it. After that moment, I'm persistent. I'm persistent. I, God, I thank you for that thing. What am I doing? I'm praising him in advance by prayer. So now I'm praising him not only throughout my day, finding moments. God, I thank you for that. God, I praise you for this. God, I thank you for the shoes on my feet. Whatever it is. But now in my prayer time, I'm also praising God persistently for the thing which has not yet come. Think about what I'm telling you to do today, that instead of focusing on the thing that hasn't happened, you're praising God for the thing that hasn't happened. Instead of caring so much about the problem, it's God, I thank you that you're taking care of me before I even, I, God, I don't know what's around the curve, but you can see around the curve. You made the curve and you know how to protect me from harm's way. You know how to bless me. You know how to keep me safe. I thank you for it. What am I doing? I'm praising God persistently. When a care does arise, some issue, some problem, you get a, a really bad report. I'm going to persistently, uh, first I'm going to ask God, then I'm going to persistently praise him for it. God, I thank you for taking care of this. If the unjust judge will do it for the widow, you'll do it for me. You know, we, we get so caught up in our timing, we want the thing gone right now. I mean, because I can go on Netflix right now and watch one of 200,000 movies. If you have IPTV, millions of, of, of things, you just go and just turn in this instant. Boom, watch anything. Turn it on, no problem. Get on your phone, access to anything. Hey Siri, Google, done. I mean, it's so instantaneous, the world we live in, that we sometimes forget that God actually knows what he's doing. And I, I, you know, it's not, please don't not live in this area either. Do not live in this, God has me in this trial to try to, no, 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 listen, listen. The Bible says that God cannot test a man. Read it, James 1, read it. God cannot, God does not test a man. He does not test. He cannot. What he, what God will do is make sure you believe in him. That your faith is in him. Well, then what do I do? So then my faith is going to, has got to be persistent. He says not to be like a, a wave that's tossed to and fro. So I've got to work to keep my faith consistent that even though I feel like quitting, even though I feel like giving up, even though I feel like throwing in the towel, if God said he would bring me through, then he's going to bring me through. If God said he would do it, then he's going to do it. I hope I've inspired you today. 
Take your praise, take your prayer, use them like they're weapons. Use them like they're weapons. The Bible says the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but they're mighty for the, th- the pulling down of strongholds. What does that mean? That I have weapons in my ar- arsenal that are spiritual weapons that I can slap the devil in the face. He's used to getting slapped around, by the way. You know, Jesus said that he saw him fall like lightning. As soon as he rose up to God and said, oh, well, I want to be better than you, that God smacked him so hard. He felt like, y'all ever see lightning? Kaboom! I mean, it's immediate. He's used to getting smacked around. And God created you in his image and likeness to shove it in the devil's face. Look, this is what you could have had. And so every time you praise God, just, just use it like a weapon. Devil, I know you're trying to get me focused on whatever it is. But I'm not going to focus on that because the Bible says God's taking care of it. I'm going to focus on the one who's made the provision. If you got something out of this today, say amen. Amen. Praise God. 